Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, where we hear from you the true experiences you've had with the paranormal and where we try to understand them. This week, I can't wait to hear the paranormal stories you've sent in to us. If you've had a paranormal encounter with a ghost, extraterrestrial or something unexplained, send us a voice note into paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com and you could be featured on the next episode. Now, Mark H got in touch with a suggestion for a subject. Can children and animals sense spirits more than adults? Back in the early 2000s, first thing every morning, both my husband Carl and I were woken up by the chatting and babbling of our little girl, Mary. She was about, I'd say, two, two and a half years old. And it was always lovely to walk into a room and be greeted by a gummy smile, hair stuck up at odd angles, grinning at us over the top of her cot rail. One night, however... Mary woke us up in the early hours, chatting away as if someone was in the room with her. Well, Carl went in and described seeing her looking intently at something above her in the corner of the room. Apparently, she was smiling and was very animated and happy, but something was holding her attention and she hadn't even registered her dad entering into the room. Well, this went on every night for, I'd say, about a week. We were being woken up every single night. Um, and that, of course, wasn't unusual with a young child, but it was a bit disarming and, dare I say it, <laughs> a bit creepy when you can hear your little girl having a conversation with someone or something. What you're about to hear is a conversation that Mary was having with her nanny on the phone. Now, it's as close as I can get to what we heard night after night. Okay, so that's Mary talking to her nanny, Carl's mum. But that's the sort of tone and intonation we were hearing every single night. It wasn't until one morning when Carl was walking down the hallway, uh, he was holding Mary in his arms, and she took notice and shouted out at a picture that was hanging on the wall of my grandmother, and she shouted, Mary! 
Now, there's no way Mary would have known who the lady was in the picture and certainly uh, known that it was her great-grandma and that she was called Mary. So, as you can imagine, it was really quite a shock. And we then put two and two together and thought, well, it must be my grandma, Mary, who was visiting our little Mary and that she was having a chat and a play. Years later, Mary confirmed that she remembers talking to a kind old lady in her bedroom. And to top it off, my grandma confirmed that, yes, she had been paying visits to Mary. I believe that when we're born, our little brains are more absorbent of all senses, like sponges, taking in all this information, processing it and storing it. And a child's brain hasn't been clouded by the everyday noise, chatter and materialistic objects and possessions that we as adults acquire. And because of the unaffected pure energy the child possesses, I am convinced that they see more, hear more and feel more than adults can. We've all heard of children having imaginary friends and you may have had one yourself. How many were imaginary and how many were spirits visiting? Animals are also able to sense what we can't. Their hearing is so much more sensitive, so I like to think, why not their senses also? My dog Watson definitely knows when there's a spirit close by and he can tell his hackles will go up. He's very, very, um, as if he's locked onto something, very in tune to something that could be there that we can't see. He can always tell if it's good because he sort of sits down, his head might cock to one side and he might do a little whine or, or a friendly bark. But he can also tell if it's a bad spirit As I say, his hackles will continue to stay up. He might growl. Um, He's locked onto something. And then he makes a run for it, a bit like his owner. As we get older, our blinkers bring the field of vision into a narrow tunnel. So we see and feel and sense less and less. Children and animals are so full of wonder. I believe that as adults, we should try to keep our field of vision wide open, our wonder alive. Then perhaps we too can see, hear and sense the other side. And I really believe that that's where meditation can come into. I think that that can play a huge part in keeping that field of wonder alive. It's very difficult to meditate and I try it nearly every single day. And I've had some amazing images come through. If you haven't tried it, try. Of course, as you all know, I'm a full believer and I know scientists and cynics have their own theories, which of course I totally respect. What do you think? This week's story is from Laura in Glasgow, who had an experience with a nun as a young girl that has been etched in her mind ever since. Hi, Yvette. My name's Laura and I'm from Glasgow in Scotland. And I wanted to share with you um, my very first paranormal experience where I saw a full-bodied apparition. This happened back in 1995 when I was three years old. I was leaving a little supermarket with my dad and um, across the road is a a little kirkyard and in the entrance I saw a nun who was sitting on a stone slab praying. Now at the time I didn't know what a nun was. I 
have a memory of shaking my dad's hand and saying, look, look, a lady, and he looks and there's nobody there. Now, I, whatever I saw in that moment is burned into my into my memory. Like, I don't remember really anything at that age, but that specific memory has stayed with me my whole life. Like, it is just crisp in my, my brain. I wish I could, I could draw, you know, to actually put what was in my head to paper, but... I'm not talented in that that aspect, but um, there was a stone slab and she was sat in the middle of it and she was wearing the full habit. Her hands were clasped and her eyes were closed and her head was bowed. Um, she was a young woman as well. She wasn't, you know, she didn't have any sort of lines or wrinkles on her face. Like she looked about to be in her 20s. Um, but there's nothing scary or frightening about it. You know, it just seemed... It was enough for three-year-old me to like pick up on that there was something kind of out of place, you know, maybe subconsciously for me to basically shake my dad's hand. But I wasn't frightened, you know. But it was when she disappeared, that's when I I sort of went quiet because even at three years old, you know, kind of something's off. Because I feel a woman doesn't just disappear. And the thing is, the woman didn't just disappear. The stone slab that she was sitting on had disappeared also. There was just the wall um, that was at the back of her, which was crazy, you know, but the thing that makes us even kind of crazier is that, um, I should say my dad remembers us as well, like, he corroborates this account, he remembers me shaking his hand, he remembers the incident, but he didn't see anything, um, years and years later, when I was, a, like, maybe about 15, I was at a friend's house who lived at the back of the kirkyard, and I told her about this, and of course she was scoffing at me and going, yeah, yeah, no, no, you didn't. I went on her computer and I had, like, I was searching. I don't know why, like, I just started searching, like, the area and the history and it turned out that there was a nunnery that stood literally in the building behind the kirkyard. Now, the kirkyard was... There used to be a church that has since been demolished, but the kirkyard still exists. But behind the kirkyard in another building was a nunnery and apparently this nunnery existed in the the 1950s and 1960s and when I told my friend that I was shocked and when I told my friend that she was like went went completely silent you know (laughs) and was like I don't want to talk about this anymore but I went home and I told my dad about it and then my dad suddenly he was like oh he goes yeah there was a nunnery there and I'm looking I'm like what like all the all these years you knew there was a nunnery there and I saw a nun um but he was like, yeah, yeah, he goes, there was a nunnery, he goes, it, he goes, it was abandoned for years, he goes, when he was a teenager, he was like him and his friends, and a, apparently a lot of local kids used to go in there and, you know, explore it and smash the windows or whatever, I don't know, <laughs> but um, he was saying to me that that's, that actually was there, he remembers it, so I don't know if she's connected to the kirkyard, maybe she was connected to the the church, maybe it was a time slip, um, or she was maybe she died in the nunnery but I just thought it was a bit of a weird coincidence but I thought I'd share it with you because it's been my very first paranormal experience I've had loads since then my whole life but I just thought it's kind of cool the fact that my first experience was seeing a full-blown apparition that wasn't see-through she wasn't a lady in white she was completely looked like a person as real as you and I basically but it was just that she disappeared Thank you for sharing your story, Laurie. And wow, 
How absolutely fascinating. I should think a little scary too, especially when the apparition disappeared. What intrigues me is the fact that the stone slab she was sat on also disappeared. This suggests to me what you saw was a memory, the stone tape theory. I may be wrong and remember, it is just a theory. If the nun had looked at you and say, smiled, then I would say that was a true interactive apparition. But the fact that she didn't makes me think, yes, a time slip or residual or stone tape could fit this sighting. And again, here's another sighting where Laura describes the ghost as solid. Wouldn't it be wonderful to find out who she was and why she showed herself. Maybe she just materialised for you, Laura. And now here's another story. Carl, my husband, he experienced his first ghost sighting when he was a young lad. Well, a strange occurrence happened to me and it was the first thing that got me interested in the paranormal when I was only about seven or eight years old. Um, I was asleep one night and woke up and needed a wee and I went to the toilet and uh, I left the door open, as you do at that age. No one else is around. And as I was having a way, I turned around and I saw a man leaning in my doorway to the bedroom. Um, he was dressed in this 1930s outfit, sort of with a fedora hat, just looking straight at me. But he was leaning with one arm up uh, and the other on his hip. I kind of looked away quickly, but then I looked back. He was still there. So I know it wasn't a figment of my imagination or uh, any sort of pareidolia that uh, hypnopompic or hypnopompic sleep states give. And he just slowly vanished. It took him about five to 10 seconds to vanish, but he did. Went back to bed. Uh, and in the morning when we had breakfast, my brother, who's um, quite a lot older than I am, and I'm glad he said it first because it validated what I saw. He just sat and said... Oh, I got really scared last night because when I went to have a wee, there was a guy leaning against the wall opposite my bedroom with his arms folded, dressed in a Humphrey Bogart outfit, and he just slowly vanished. Now, obviously, Humphrey Bogart outfit is, is the same era as what I saw. So my brother and I both saw the same thing in two different areas in our house on the same night. Now, we've never seen anything before, and we never saw anything after. And my mum and dad's house was built on a brand new estate that was built on old marshland. So nothing had been there before, um, certainly not in the 1930s or 40s. Um, and so we never, we never understood what it was. But that, because my brother and I saw the same thing, really got uh, intrigued me into investigating the paranormal. One thing I find strange about Carl's story is they never saw the apparition again. So why was that? Why did it only appear on that one night? I wonder who he was. I'd like to think that it was a long lost relative come to say hello. Of course, there are famous stories of children experiencing paranormal activity and those stories are made into blockbuster movies. One such story begins in the 1940s in a quiet suburban town in Washington, D.C., United States of America. It's about a 13-year-old boy who became very depressed and low after his aunt died. His aunt was very close to him and was a keen spiritualist and apparently had involved the young boy in ways of contacting the dead, one being a Ouija board. 
It wasn't long after the ant's death that the boy began to experience very strange and peculiar phenomena in his family home. Scratching and knocking noises emanated from within the walls and floors and water suddenly began dripping from pipes and walls. But then, when the bed started to shake of its own accord, with no logical explanation whatsoever, you can imagine the terror the young lad really did feel. The boy's family called in every type of help an expert possible. The church suggested an exorcism. Things began to take on a more dark and sinister turn as the priest performing the very first exorcism was subject to a beating from the boy as he managed to snap off a piece of metal from the bed and proceeded to lash out at the priest across the man's back. Other priests were called in and each one experienced scenes of a frightening and baffling nature. Red scratches started to appear on the boy's torso. The mattress vibrated violently. He began screaming wildly like a deranged animal, sounding like a rabid beast. The priests also witnessed poltergeist activity, objects flying around the room. And if they showed the boy any religious artefacts whatsoever, the teenager would become hysterical and demented. More scratches and various marks appeared on his body. He urinated over his bed, all the while continuing to behave like a wild creature. Each night the priests prayed and tried to cleanse the young lad's poor soul. His parents decided enough was enough and they had to take matters into their own hands so they took him to a special hospital where the priest followed and continued to hold vigil until one night, with no explanation whatsoever, the young boy came out of his deep trance and simply said, he's gone. This true account was made into the very famous film, The Exorcist. Many more films have been made where children experience ghosts. Now, if you're brave enough, you can try and watch some of these this weekend. And here is a few that I recommend. And of course, they're the classical and most famous movies of all time. The first, of course, has to be The Exorcist. And a little quote here that I have changed around. Your mother knits socks in hell. Then, of course, there's The Sixth Sense. I see dead people. The Omen. Did I scare you, mommy? I didn't mean to. And then my favourite of all. Poltergeist. They're here. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Mum's the Word, a brand new parenting podcast with me, Ashley James. Pregnancy, piles and all the other problems that come with parenting. I'm not going to be sugarcoating anything. It's all about truths, taboos and of course celebrating the amazing highs too. Each week I'll be talking about the journey of being a mum. For me it's my first time so I'll have some celebs and experts and you guys to help join me and hopefully figure out what on earth I'm meant to be doing. It's a podcast for all the parents out there, our very own little club. Hit follow now so you don't miss an episode. Mum's the Word, the parenting podcast with me, Ashley James, coming soon. It's the best parenting podcast out there. Now, lots of scientists and psychologists, particularly child psychologists, will have a different take and theory on why children see and experience paranormal phenomena, and particularly seeing ghosts. So I'd like to talk to my next guest and find out their thoughts and feelings on their take on this particular situation. Well, I'm absolutely delighted um, to be joined by Dr. Daniel Weisberg, who is a child psychologist. Um, you studied children's behavior for a very long time. You're based in Manchester. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I just wanted to ask you a few questions about your take on why you think perhaps children are more susceptible or uh, they seem to be more susceptible to the paranormal and seeing um, people that we perhaps cannot see. Why do you think that is? That's such a a good question Um, and there's a word that you used in there that I think is the most important here which is seem and they seem to be more susceptible. Mm. So children's understanding of the paranormal world, uh, children's understanding of the imaginary world or fantasy worlds, it's very different to that of adults. Uh, So we know that children do have imaginary friends, children do have uh, a affinity with ghosts, children have uh, a close relationship with things like the Tooth Fairy or the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus, those sorts of things. And 
the way that children see all of these different aspects is very different to how adults see all of these different aspects. And that, that interpretation of what we think is going on for children is probably most important here. Children do like to talk about things like ghosts. Children like to talk about things like spirits and things that they can see. But the way the things that they're talking about are very different to what adults think they are talking about. Does that make sense? <laughs> right. Yes, it does. So how does it, how does the child's mind differ then to, to ours? I know we're getting a little bit more sort of in depth here, but our brains, you know, as we all know, develop, develop. So what makes them sort of have this? What happens to us? Basically, I'm, I, I'm fascinated by this. So what happens to our brain then as we get older? We seem to sort of shut out all this magical, amazing imagination. Do you think that's just the world? So, you know, we're sucking in all the, the things that happen around us more um, we're taking it all in and so and our sort of brain gets clogged really with all of that rather than leaving it pure does that make sense it, it absolutely makes sense and i think that is most definitely part of it but i also think that there is a there are added factors going on here so there is a very important theory that we use which is called social learning theory now social learning theory is how we see other people doing things and how that then influences our behavior. So when we see other people engaging with things, going through certain situations or doing things in their own way, we watch that and that adapts our behavior. And children do exactly the same. So when children are finding out new mm. things, it's actually far more effective for them to learn how to do it by looking at their peers or watching things happen rather than an adult telling them how to do it. Now, if we then relate that to the paranormal world, what, what happens for some, something like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny, as we were talking about, or the Tooth Fairy? Well, children have a, a very close relationship from their parents to, to in terms of how that plays out at home. So when children say, oh, I've lost a tooth, parents are very quick to say, oh, well, I hope the tooth fairy is going to come along and give you something really nice under your pillow. And it's all fun and games. And it, it keeps that story going. And children hear their peers talking about the tooth fairy and they turn up at school the next day and the tooth's gone and the teacher says, did the tooth fairy bring anything? So everything around them keeps that going. Mm. Now, when it comes to something like ghosts, when children might say hear about a ghost on YouTube kids or they hear about it from their friends or in a story or wherever it might be, the way that the parents and the world around them responds to it is very different. So lots of parents around and go, oh, no, ghosts aren't real and very quickly dismiss it. Or parents go down the route of, oh, it was scary and, and, and sort of keep that going. And then when you end up watching videos or stories about ghosts, there is a very clear narrative about what they are like in terms of the fear that they might bring or or how they might hide under your bed or, or that's, I mean, ghosts might not hide under your bed. I'm just using it as an example. <laughs> not. But, um, that, <laughs> but, but the way that our parents and the world around us relate to the paranormal world is very different to the fantasy world. And so that is how children then learn about it. And if children then start to fear that, then that narrative becomes more real for that child. 
Right. But how do you explain that? I'm sorry to do this to you. So I'm coming from the other side now. So I'm going to sort of bang a few sort of cases at you in brief and then see what you think about them. So I just spoke about the story where my, uh, I mean, she was literally just over the age of one, I think. I can't really remember how old. I knew I could carry her on my hip. That's how, (laughs) that's how old I know she was. Um, But we had heard her in the middle of the night talking to somebody and it was waking us up and this went on for quite a while but it was a proper conversation um you know as if she was waiting for answers you know and and it was really quite extraordinary and it was really weird um and this was before we started doing most haunted really so we weren't sort of immersed in it as we are now and um she'd never seen a photograph of my grandmother or anything we were carrying her downstairs and she pointed at the picture of my grandmother and and sort of you know said the words that you know this is the person that I'm I'm talking to in the middle of the night that's what we got from her little way of telling us which was really quite extraordinary so and this happens an awful lot to a lot of children because parents report it to me where these children are having conversations and there's nobody there whatsoever but the information that the children are getting is backed up by you know um, they're describing grandparents that you know they describe the clothes or or something perhaps that the grandparent was known by like a nickname and they'll come out with a nickname that's never been talked of before so how do you explain that um so there are two ways that i would explain that the first one is to side with the paranormal side of it however that's not the side that i agree with um i think that that is not one that is backed up with the scientific evidence that we now know what explains this sort of behavior. So the second side and the side that I side with is one of how this behavior can be explained in many different ways. So remember uh, earlier on, I said about things being interpreted. So how we as parents respond to exactly those situations is critical here. So that young girl in that moment might feel like she has uh, connected with a spirit or connected with something or something else going on there. And the parents will see that and go, oh my gosh, that is exactly what's going on here. Because on the surface, that is exactly what it looks like. But when you sort of dig that little bit deeper, that child's behavior is actually very typical of a child. We as adults have put our adult interpretation onto what's going on there. So what children often do is relate to a imaginary world or something that's going on inside their head that makes total sense to them, but to adults actually feels totally bizarre. And now we have a very strong connection in our, in, in our brain. We have an affinity for making connections between things, even if those things aren't necessarily there. So it's easy for us as adults to then interpret this child's normal, typical behavior in a way that might then only be explained by paranormal activity. Right. So, so yeah, so we're putting our own, we're imprinting our own thoughts and impressions on that. Well, I have to disagree with you in the paranormal world, but that's what we're here to talk about. So, so let me just put this to you. There's some um, fantastic uh, cases involving children. For instance, the Enfield poltergeist where two young girls, um, you know, allegedly were the 
centre of a, of a case where a poltergeist in this house in Enfield was doing, you know, lots of disturbing things. Uh, one of the girls, Janet, was actually, um, a, a man's voice was coming through her own uh, voice. Her vocal cords were actually checked by a, a doctor and said this wasn't humanly possible for this young girl to, for so many months, keep talking in this very deep voice because um, it, it would have wrecked her nodules or a node. So uh, there's lots and lots of evidence to suggest that, you know, police were involved and so on, and they couldn't get their head around it. Um, Janet actually says, you know, some of it she faked because the press and the, the all around the world were intrigued with this and there was a lot of pressure but a lot of it she said was real um, and then of course you've got the case with Annalise McHale who unfortunately died the church were involved but she was actually talking um, allegedly um, it was very very dark and and, and um, demonic and she was actually talking in an ancient lost language that all the professors and doctors from around, they couldn't they couldn't understand that this young girl was 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 talking in this bizarre manner where had she got this she couldn't have heard it on the radio on the it just was an ancient lost language that had never been publicized before so how do you explain things like that um so i i would explain things like that with with a difficulty that i know as functional neurological difficulties. Now, I'm not immediately diagnosing these children. That is absolutely not what I'm doing. Uh, I don't know anything about their, their personal circumstances, but there is a set of difficulties that we know that cannot seem to be explained by any medical condition. Um, now, at that point, it's then very easy, as I said before, as for us as adults to put our interpretation onto it. But actually, there is something known as functional neurological difficulties in which there seem to be symptoms of things that must be explained by a medical problem. And when there is no medical problem following the doctor's advice or the doctor's investigations, then we, we then are quick to explain it through other means, paranormal activity, for example. Now, there is a difficulty known as uh, foreign accent syndrome. Now, foreign accent syndrome is a specific speech disorder that it causes a change to your speech so that you are talking with a foreign accent. So someone who is English might talk with a very strong French accent, for example, and that might even be someone who has never been to France or, or spoken to French people, has any French influence in their life. It just appears. I've, now, I've on the surface, that... Oh, sorry. I've actually heard that. I actually heard that it was a woman who was in a coma. Do you remember the case? And she woke up, I think, speaking in a Jamaican accent and she'd never been to Jamaica before. It's extraordinary. It is. And, and again, it makes we can only think that you're putting this on. How on earth is that possible? Um, but, but actually, it is a well-known, well-evidenced, well-documented set of neurological changes that leads to this. Uh, but then there, I, I, I'm a, a clinical psychologist, but I also have a lot of experience in pediatric work. So working with children who've been through all sorts of difficulties, uh, particularly from a health point of view. And there are many children who we've met who develop what seem to be neurological symptoms like they can't walk or they lose their speech or um, uh, they go into some form of seizure-like activity. Yet when they go through all the investigations, there is just no medical evidence to explain it. 
And then it comes down to a functional neurological problem, which means there are lots of psychological factors going on in that child's life that might contribute to those difficulties. Uh, and we know that things like children's stress or relationships at home or difficulties such as a trauma that they may have had in an earlier part of their life, all of these things might fit together that then present themselves as these sets of symptoms. And I would explain the, the Enfield poltergeist and, and the, the young Annalise in exactly the same way, uh, where there doesn't seem to be a medical explanation, uh, but I would say that there is something else going on here, perhaps from a psychological point of view, that means these experiences are very real, but cannot be explained medically. So, so if you had been um, on the case of, say, Annalise or the two girls from the, from the um, Enfield poltergeist and, and you came down to the fact that you'd done all the tests and everything was coming back, with, you know, you were really scratching your head and you were thinking, what the hell's going on here? Would you never put it down to a paranormal occurrence or would you just say there still has to be some sort of um, neurological symptom going on here and I cannot find... I just can't find the answer to it. Or maybe perhaps you might go, hi, Vet. Give me a call. What do you think is going on here? Is, in my professional opinion, I would always put a paranormal explanation as the very, very last possible option. And even then, it's at the footnote of the possible last option. Uh, because to me, I would always feel that there is something else going on that might explain what's happening here. Right. And also, just very quickly, there was an amazing case. I'm thinking off the top of my head here because I haven't read about this for a very long time. But there was a, a young woman and she kept having these amazing, young woman, young child, she kept having these amazing dreams and she kept seeing these other children in her dreams and she was naming them. She knew their first name, their surname. Then she started to see where, she, where they lived. She actually drew the house, drew a plan and a map of this house. And she said, I'm their mummy. And she kept saying to her parents, I'm their mummy. Anyway, they actually took the girl to this family. They followed her map. They got um, historians involved. And she met with this family who were in their 60s and 70s. And she told them things as a child about their lives and about their mother's life, who she said she was in a previous life. It was extraordinary. It made the news and so on. So how do you connect, you know, with your line of work? And if a child came to you with a parent and said, they're having these extraordinary dreams and we've tracked down a family. I mean, how would you go about sort of saying to them, well, look, there's something going on here in the mind. But if it all works out and it's true, how is that a case of, just something psychological going on and not something more? That, that is such a good question. And I don't think I could answer that right now. But my, but, my, but my view would be how many experiences of children have there been who have said exactly the same sorts of things where they talk about other names and other families and they draw maps and all of those circumstances. And it turns out to not be true. So I would say it feels like a very remarkable coincidence. However, it does seem to be an extraordinary coincidence. And there may be something else that's here, which is why I've not said no, I'm not ruling it out. I just feel that there is a, a, a possible alternative explanation, which under these circumstances, I don't have I, I don't know enough about it to be able to offer what a credible alternative might be. 
But that is remarkable. Yes, that, that was a very good answer. <laughs> it is, isn't it? And I'm sorry, I just, I just flung that at you. Well, would, would you, would you mind in the future giving, you know, if we give you a call because we're always looking at different cases and and some of them do involve children, and it would be lovely to get your take on certain cases that that we might talk about, or indeed some of our listeners might have cases where they're worried about their children because stuff is happening to them in their home, and it'd be lovely to have somebody like yourself to be able to sort of calm them really and reassure than perhaps from your point of view i would be delighted to that feels like a, a a very sensible thing to do and it would be a real pleasure oh thank you thank you daniel thank you so very much for joining us and we'll speak to you soon thank you for listening to this episode of paranormal activity with me yvette fielding we'll be back at the same time same place next week stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow and if you've enjoyed this episode please rate and review we want to hear from you so please send in an audio clip telling your paranormal story to this address it's paranormal activity pod at gmail.com that's paranormal activity pod at gmail.com and now Oh, the modern technology that we are up to date with. It's ridiculous. We also have WhatsApp and you can send in your voice notes to 0759992737. That's 0759992737. We also have an Instagram page as well. So follow us at Paranormal Activity Pod. And remember, things aren't always as they see. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.